welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. Before we begin, just a heads up that ASMR Unusual Deaths Part 2 is out now. It came out on Tuesday as a bonus episode, so join me in a casual whispered chat about the horrific ways people have died over the past couple millennia. Remember, this is from the Patreon vault, so this was uploaded on a different date. I can't remember exactly what date it was uploaded. Um, it was sometime last year. The, the original date is on there, so if there's some stuff I talk about that's not very timely, that is why. <laughs> Alright, tonight I have for you more twists and turns from the website Reddit. The last episode of Dark Reddit gets brought up a lot to me by listeners, and I'm so happy to be providing you with another one. If you haven't listened to the first, uh, you don't have to to understand this one. There's nothing carried over, but I do warn you, it contains a story that was so devastatingly horrifying that it stuck with me, and I received a lot of messages about how much it really upset people, and I totally get it. Um, uh, So trigger warning for that last episode. I don't know if I was doing trigger warnings yet. I may have been, but I'm not sure because it was a while ago. Um, I will go update them after I update this episode. Actually, while I'm recording this, I'm remembering, oh, I don't know if I did trigger warnings. I should probably retroactively go add those. I've been meaning to to add them to all my old episodes, but that takes a long time, a really long time. Um, So also, if you happen to be listening, I know a lot of you re-listen to my catalog, which is so cool. That's amazing. Um, if you happen to be re-listening and it's one of the episodes before I did trigger warnings and you happen to just make a mental note of a couple that may be helpful for that episode, please feel free to message me and let me know and I will go add them to that specific episode. Um, I just have not had the time to re-listen to my entire catalog. I don't listen to my own show. So um, after I upload anyway, I'm not, I, I do listen to edit and all that good stuff, but you know what I mean? I don't go listen to the old ones. So, uh, yeah. Um, with that <laughs> super fun intro, uh, child death, by the way, did I mention what the trigger death, what trigger warning, trigger death, what the trigger warning was for that last step? I'm a little bit scattered this week. I had a couple, uh, interesting run-ins with very bad, bad men from my past in the past week and a half. And it was weird. It was just one of those times where it's like, why, why universe? Why all at once? What, what's happening? Did I do something wrong? Is this karma for something? What did I do? Why are these people all of a sudden showing back up in my life within the same week? Uh, so that was great. I'm a little bit discombobulated because of that. Um, (laughs) those of you who have been in, you know, abusive relationships and things like that, uh, will understand that sometimes when you see people like that, those monsters are real and you can't just push a button and make them go away or turn the page, close the book, all that good stuff. So bear with me. Um, yeah, trigger warning for that last dark Reddit is child death. So here we go for this one, this one, that's not the case. So don't worry. I'll put the trigger warnings in the show notes as usual. So Let's start off with a story from the subreddit, Off My Chest, which describes itself as a mutually supportive community where deeply emotional things you can't tell people you know can be told, whether it's long-standing baggage, happy thoughts, or recent trauma. Posting it here may provide some relief, 
We'll listen, and if you want, we'll talk. We aim to keep this a safe space. So this was originally posted eight years ago on May 16th, 2013, under the username Poisoned by Mom, and it's titled, My Mother Has Poisoned Me. This is a throwaway account. Ever since I became an adult about a decade ago, my mother has been against me moving out of the house. I finally got a job as a line cook three years ago. My mother, and rest of the family, which includes my sister and father, has been against it, mainly saying that such a job cannot sustain me, which was true. They also said that I would hate working, which turned out to be false. About a year and a half later, I quit due to health reasons. The following spring, I got a new job as a computer programmer. While they seemed supportive at first, my mother and sister, who I lived with, gradually became hostile. Eventually, I moved out of the house. About a month later, I lost my job. And about three months later, I moved back home. Everything was cool at first, but as I was getting calls from recruiters and going to job interviews, they gradually became more hostile again, accusing me of being distant and not caring for them. However, they seemed to be very controlling and hateful of the fact that I wanted to move out and wanted a decent job. So, last month, I finally got that job as a programmer again. But it was out of town. I had just enough money to relocate to the new city. They became very hostile starting a few days before I left, accusing me of not loving them, of hating them. On the day before I was scheduled to leave, my mother gave me two of the styrofoam ramen noodles cups and tore that cardboard covering that normally comes with it and threw it away. I was suspicious that they would try to sabotage my life, so I was careful in not trying to anger them. She gave me a few more food items, which I didn't use, to take on the trip with me. When I arrived at my new city and entered my hotel room, I chilled out. I was to go to work the next day. So, after the first day of work, I ate a cup of ramen noodles and felt ill. I knew that feeling because my sister fed me something that made me feel the same way in late 2011, which I then assumed was because of my recent illness. I felt weak, lightheaded, and short of breath. I drank water to make me feel better because that's what I did last time that happened to me. Over the week, my mother kept calling me making sure to remind me to eat my ramen noodles. I was short on cash then, waiting for my first paycheck. I never told her that I ate it. I suspected then that I had been poisoned, and after doing some googling, believed it was cyanide. Now that is something that you should never have to think, that your own mother would do that to you. So I resisted that thought, because I simply could not bear to think it. So I went to cyanidetest.com and ordered a kit, and I tried it. Now look at the graphics in the video on this page. Now here are the results of my test. I guess I'm going to have to call the cops, and I will never speak to my family again. Edit. Thank you for being my support group. You will get updates on this story. Update. 8.45am. I am currently in Topeka, Kansas. I work downtown in a government office building, which has a police department. 
I visited the Capitol Police stationed here and spoke to an officer. I showed him the evidence, and he said that he could do nothing about it since the package was opened and might have been contaminated. So, does anyone have ideas? The OP had linked both a video from the cyanide test website to show how it works, and an image of what looks to be a test that is absolutely positive for cyanide. Many comments told Poison by Mom to call the authorities, but Poison by Mom had some hesitation. One commenter said, Hate to sound like an asshole, but if anyone tried to poison me, you bet your ass I'd be calling the cops. But seriously, I thought the phrase, I brought you into this world, I suppose it's only fitting if I take you out of it, was only in the movies. Call the police. Get that bitch charged and get yourself out at a hospital or something. Also, until you have proof that the rest of your family were involved, don't shut them out of your life just yet, but remain suspicious. Hope everything works out for you, OP. To which, Poison by Mom responded, I've been on your side of hearing crazy stories many times, and I reacted the same exact way that you did. But it is totally different when it's being done by your own family against you. You lose rationality. I know what they did was very evil, and that they deserve to rot in jail. However, my familial attachment to them still makes me not want to believe that they would do such a thing. And that, of course, mommy loves you. I'm just going to have to be strong. OP didn't give any updates until five months later, on October 10th, 2013. It read, A few months ago, I posted this. I was only able to file a police report, but only that, so far. The police do not have enough evidence to investigate. I have gone no contact with my family. I currently live in a cheap motel in Topeka, Kansas. Yesterday, after getting home from work, I work for the Kansas state government as a software developer. The lady at the front desk told me that my mother had called to speak to me. For security reasons, the motel needs both the name and room number, and my mother didn't have my room number. She didn't even attempt to call my cell phone, which makes me believe that she just wanted to know if I was staying there and where. So this morning, I leave a little earlier than usual. The sky was still in the early twilight phase. I take the bus to and from work because my car blew a gasket almost a year ago, before I moved and got my current job. As I was walking towards the bus stop, I saw someone in a strange car. She told me that if she visited, she would be using a rental car, using the finger to tell me to come here. I looked but kept on walking. Then she opened the car door and she was in a black outfit in a hood, which is strange for my mother, that I knew it was her when I saw her face. She told me to come here, and I said no, kept a good distance. She said that she just wanted to know if I was okay, so I said, yes, I am. She said that she wanted a hug, but I said no. I don't know if there is anyone else in the car with her, but she is a gun owner and a good shot. She routinely kicked all of our asses in Duck Hunt when I was a little kid, and still owned me when playing Wii games on the gun controller. I ended up taking another bus to get to my job. So, when I get off of work, what is the best way to go home? Or should I even go? If not, where should I go? I really think that it is not safe for me here in Topeka, so if anyone knows of any net development jobs, please PM me. Also, please give me some advice. 
This time, OP didn't respond as much to the comments other than to speculate that maybe his mother might be suffering from Munchausen's by proxy. They also never updated again. I hope Poisoned by Mom is doing well and found a way out of the terrifying grasp of their mother. But because of the anonymity of the internet, we can never be sure. This next story is incredibly fascinating. I won't say much and let it speak for itself. This was asked in the subreddit Legal Advice, which states it is a place to ask simple legal questions and to have legal concepts explained. It was posted on May 1st, 2015 by user rbradbury1920, and he titled it, Post-it Notes Left in Apartment. On the 15th of April, I found a yellow post-it note in handwriting that wasn't mine on my desk reminding me of some errands I had to do, but told literally nobody about. While odd, I chalked it up to something I did in my sleep, thinking maybe in my half-awake state I scrawled it so it didn't appear to be my handwriting. I threw it out and thought little of it. On the 19th, I found another post-it note on the back of my desk chair in the same handwriting as the previous note telling me to make sure I saved my documents. I was freaked out, but there were no other signs of a break-in, so I set up a webcam in my house, aimed at my desk, and used a security cam app for it to record after detecting movement. On the 28th, I woke up to find another post-it, this one saying, Our landlord isn't letting me talk to you, but it's important we do. I immediately checked the webcam's folder on my computer and found nothing from the night before, but my computer's recycling bin had been emptied, which I am certain I did not do recently, indicating someone had noticed the webcam and deleted the files. They were just saved straight to a folder on my desktop called webcam. Today, on the 1st of May, I found another post-it note, this time on the outside of my door with nothing written on it. And there also appeared to be post-its on many other doors in my apartment complex, all blank and varying colors. Do I have any legal recourse here? I have no proof except for the post-its, but those are written by my pen and on my post-it notes, so conceivably, I could have faked them. Would contacting the police get me into any trouble if they can't determine an outside source for this? I just want to make sure I'm not wasting anyone's time. Should I consult my landlord? Those also living in the complex? Edit. I pulled up a letter I received from my landlord back when I moved in, and the handwriting is identical. Could this count as evidence? There were several different theories in the comments, ranging from several saying, this is the plot of the machinist, to check the whole house for cameras and hidden doors, to you could be having a serious mental or neurological problem, go to a doctor. But the top comment was this, from user Kakerlak. You seem sincere, and this doesn't appear to be the plot of a Ray Bradbury short story. It's possible that your landlord is leaving notes inside your apartment, but they don't make any sense in the context you're describing them. It's likely that you are writing the notes yourself, but you are forgetting. Do you use post-it notes as reminders in any other parts of your life or job? Yes, this might be a mental health issue. You might be experiencing some sort of dissociative disorder. Or, 
It might be a physical problem. You mentioned that you have a very unusual narrow bedroom with no windows. This was something he mentioned in a different comment. Is there a chance that you are not getting enough ventilation when you sleep? Or that there is a carbon monoxide leak in the building? A cheap CO detector, which you should have anyway, is a fast way to find out. You'll also have really bad headaches. You know your own medical and mental history and your other experiences. If you think these incidents might be you writing notes to yourself, there's no shame in getting somebody qualified to give you an opinion. Well, OP said they had been having really bad headaches lately and that they actually already had a CO detector on hand, but hadn't ever taken it out of the box. The very next day, R. Bradbury 1920 posted an update. Thanks to everyone who sent suggestions and gave advice on how to proceed, especially to those who recommended a CO detector, because when I plugged one in the bedroom, it read at 100 ppm. TLDR, I had CO poisoning and thought my landlord was stalking me. Immediately, the whole community gave credit to Kakerlack for saving the OP's life. If you want to know more about this story and hear from some experts, WBUR Boston Public Radio did a whole episode on it, complete with interviews with experts on the topics of sleepwalking and poisons. The episode is called Something Wicked. I'll link it in the show notes. So, how many of you want to check the batteries in your carbon monoxide sensor right about now? I know I do. The next story was posted in the Ask Reddit subreddit as a response to the question, What is the creepiest thing that has ever actually happened to you? User BingBong1234 shared his story about the Whistler. I've been waiting a long time to tell Reddit the full story of the Whistler. This story requires many details, but it is unexplainable, creepy, and 100% true. I also have video evidence. When I was about eight years old, I was taking my dog for a walk through the neighborhood with my mom. It was maybe 11 p.m. We live next to a swamp slash woods area on the edge of our neighborhood in Lansing, Michigan. I remember it being very silent and slightly windy. From down in the swamp, we heard someone whistling at us. It sounded sort of like a bird, but each whistle was different enough where the lack of consistency made it human-like. The whistle sounded higher than lower. I can't really describe it. My mom had a concerned, slightly terrified look on her face and grabbed my hand and said we should go inside quickly. I didn't understand because I was too young, but seeing my mom freak out made me freak out too. After a while though, I kind of forgot about it. Two years later, I was taking my dog out again, late at night. There is this large bush that could easily obscure a person behind it, just next to the front door. As I was finishing the walk, the whistling noises started again. Same pitches, same inconsistent human-like tones. As soon as I heard it, a chill went down my spine as I remembered exactly the feeling of seeing my mom terrified, looking down into the swamp at something I couldn't see. Maybe she couldn't either. I ran inside as fast as possible. Years went by, and I thought about it less and less. I told only a handful of people, and eventually, it slipped from my mind. 
Fast forward to last summer. I'm 24, started dating my girl Sarah. We moved out to South Dakota for work. For Independence Day, we decided to go to Pierre, South Dakota and watch the fireworks along the bank of the Missouri River. There was a free camping spot behind a hospital where you could pitch your tent, hang out, and see the fireworks up the river. We were near the end of the campground and there were very few people around us. As it was getting dark, the fireworks began. They were pretty far away, so the illumination they brought was very little. Thus, we had to sit right at the edge of the river to be able to see them. A huge thunderhead was moving in and a storm was imminent, so the air seemed electric and the wind was picking up. The atmosphere was eerie, to say the least. The police boats herded all the other boats off the river and had left our area to do that elsewhere. Most of the other campers walked up the river to have a better view of the fireworks, but Sarah and I stayed back and were drinking PBR Tallboys and kicking it. Suddenly, we heard the sound of a paddle methodically dipping into the water. We saw a figure steering a canoe about 20 meters offshore. Sarah decided to get more beers from the car, leaving me alone to stare at this mystery person. And then, of course, they whistled at me. My entire body was frozen and covered in goosebumps. It was the exact same whistler from my childhood, more than a decade earlier. I looked at the figure, but it was much too dark to discern who it could be. They were wearing a hat. When they were perpendicular to the shore from me, they stopped paddling, turned the canoe to face directly at me, and whistled right at me. I was so frightened, I stood up and shouted at them, Who are you? They didn't say anything. Just whistled a couple more times, turned the canoe 180 degrees, and paddled out of sight. I'm a videographer, so I already had my camera by my side and was taking video of the fireworks. As the canoe was almost out of sight, I grabbed my camera and got a shot of them whistling as they went away. When Sarah came back from getting beers, she was very confused as to why I was so freaked out. When I explained, she was freaked out a bit too. I was convinced that we would both be murdered that night. How did this whistling person follow me after 14 years all the way to South Dakota? Was it a coincidence? Why was it the same whistling noise? Who was that person and where did they go? So many questions still unanswered to this day. I'm more afraid of being outside in the dark where I might hear the whistling again. I'm open to any explanations. If there is interest, I will find a plug and edit a little video of the fireworks and the whistling noise and the canoe disappearing. I'm in Uganda currently, and the internet is spotty where I am, so I'll do my best. TLDR, whistling person has haunted me since I was a boy. Can't explain. Help. Edit. Video is coming, I promise. Where I'm at in Uganda, the power goes out sometimes, so if you don't hear from me, either that happened or the whistler finally got me. Edit number two. Okay, finally I spent all afternoon uploading this video. Here is the link. When I was still getting shots at the fireworks, I heard the whistling starting. I was too afraid at the moment to point the camera directly at the canoe, so I just turned a microphone towards it and kept a low-key shot facing downriver towards the fireworks. If you wear headphones, you can hear it better. It's the two-note whistle, high, then low. 
You can hear me ask my girlfriend, are you whistling? Is that you? She said no, but I wasn't sure, so I told her, stop it, because I was getting scared. The last shot, I boosted the brightness as much as I could and still make out the person in the canoe. It looks like they're wearing a red sweater or something. This is Shelby. Back back to Shelby. <laughs> I obviously can't play you the video, but I can play you the audio from the video, and there will be a link in the show notes so you can watch it yourself. It's seriously so creepy. What you'll be hearing next is a video of a lake at sunset, and the big booms are the fireworks going off across the lake. You can hear the water and the eerie sound of the whistler. This is back to OP. Edit. It's been a while and I apologize for that. I'm back in the US now and I asked my mom about it. I sat her down and played the video for her. She honestly doesn't remember anything like that happening. I wish I had something more exciting to say. Alas, it must remain a mystery. Creepy, right? Here's where it gets even creepier. User Gashura replied, Dude, read this please. I shit you not. In my country, Venezuela, there is a legend about a guy called El Silbon, the whistler, a sort of damned soul that warns people about their coming death. And then the person linked to a Wikipedia page about that. I'm not making this shit up. I'll try to translate parts from the article for you to see if they fit what you experienced. The legend is that of a young man who killed his father as a revenge because he had killed his wife and called her a whore. After this event, his grandfather had tied him to a pole in the middle of a field and whipped him, had his wounds cleaned with drinking alcohol, and released him with two rabid and hungry dogs. But before he released, he cursed him to carry his father's bones for the rest of eternity. 
This has a particular whistling, similar to music notes, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, in that order, going up to F and then going down low to B. It's said when the whistling is heard closely, there is no danger, because he is really far, but when the whistling sounds far, he is really close. It's also said that the whistling announces the death of those who hear it. He can be anywhere at any time. It seems that the only thing that can save the person that hears it from afar is the bark of a dog, because he is afraid of it. Also of chili peppers and whips. The soul takes revenge on womenizing men. Many inhabitants of Los Llanos speak of seeing him, particularly during summer season in which the Venezuelan savanna sears under the strength of drought and El Silbon sits in the stumps of trees and gathers dust with his hands. But he is primarily encountered in times of humidity and rain, when the specter roams, hungry for death and avid to punish the drunk, the whoremongers, and from time to time, an innocent victim. It's said that he sucks on the navel of drunk men when he finds them alone to drink the alcohol that they drank, and he rips apart the whoremongers. He takes off the bones and puts them inside the bag in which he carries his dad's remains. Some versions say he looks like a long giant, six meters tall, who walks from treetop to treetop while he emits his terrifying whistling and rattling inside the dusty old bag, the pale bones of his misfortuned father, or as some claim, his multiple victims. Other versions state that he presents as the shade of a tall and slender man with a hat, specially to drunk people. It is said that El Silbon may appear near a house on some nights, leaving the bag on the floor and counting the bones one by one. If one or more people hear him, nothing will happen. But if no one hears him, by dawn, a family member will die in his sleep. In the Colombian Easter Llanos, where he is called El Silbador, they believe it is a wandering soul of a party-loving womanizer who died in solitude, and people claim that he seeks the company of someone who dares ride horseback late at night. But this kind of version is an exception because also in Colombia, some others say he chases pregnant women, that his whistling penetrates the ear, chills, and that if someone hears a high-pitched tone, it omens the death of a woman, while a low-pitched tone omens the death of a man. In any case, that woman or man is generally someone known by the one that heard the whistling. Edit. Finish translating. This gave me chills, dude. I'm not one to believe in folklore, but your story is way too similar to just ignore it, mainly because you have no way at all to know about this particular legend. Edit number two. I just saw the video. That's the creepiest shit I've ever seen, and I can't believe OP delivered proof. I don't know about you all, but the video and the sound, that all makes my hair stand on end. I thought that was so creepy. And I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you go watch the video. Apart from just hearing the sound, the video is very eerie. All right, on to the next. This one was posted on September 21st, my birthday, 2014, in the subreddit Unresolved Mysteries. A now-deleted user posted the question, What is your personal unresolved mystery? And another also-now-deleted user commented this in reply. 
This story ended up being much longer than I had originally anticipated, and I apologize for the long read. I will say that in all the years I've told this story, people usually respond, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. So, I hope you take the time to enjoy it. This story occurred in the summer of 2008. I grew up in Oregon and was acquainted with the outdoors at an early age. My favorite hobby came to be hiking, particularly in areas that are either very dangerous or isolated. The health benefits of hiking were secondary to the thrills of walking the edges of exposed cliffs, being in cougar and bear territory, and knowing that I was far from help. Into the Wild was released in the fall of 2007, and I immediately fell in love. Being a high school senior, I could barely go another week living in my parents' house. The movie spoke to my sense of adventure and inspired me to hike the California portion of the Pacific Crest Trail upon graduation. I made it from the Mexican border to Northern California without much incident. I saw rattlesnakes and black bears, experienced dehydration, but nothing happened that made me fear for my life. Somewhere in the Lassen National Forest in Northeastern California, I walked around a bend in the trail only to be startled by two people sitting on a rock dressed in nearly all white. Their faces were dirty, their appearance disheveled, and the man had a long, unkempt beard. Both seemed to be in their forties. They looked like the couple who kidnapped Elizabeth Smart. What struck me as odd about the encounter was encountering anybody at all. I frequently went days without seeing a single human being. Their white clothes could be explained away by the need to escape the California summer sun, their scruffy appearance could be explained away by the fact that most thru-hikers abandon personal hygiene on the trail. After I said hello, they said nothing, and simply watched me as I passed. Even that I didn't find odd. I chalked it up to them being foreign and not knowing what to say. I camped a few hundred yards off the trail that night, as I always did. Following bear precautions, I hung the leftover food I had cooked that night from a tree approximately five feet off the ground. Packing up the camp in the morning, I noticed the food wasn't there. I immediately thought a bear had entered my campsite, and so I began to look for paw prints. I didn't find paw prints, but I did find boot prints circling the campsite. Two pairs of them. One of those prints led right up to the rope from which the food was hanging. I thought of the couple I had passed earlier, and everything clicked. I quickly packed up and left. My mind was racing the entire day, but I figured the couple was simply hungry. If they had nefarious intentions, they would have come for more than the food. Several days passed and my mind was at ease again. I had begun to circle my campsite with sticks to wake me up, in the event of an intruder, animal or otherwise. I awoke in my tent one night, to the sound of those sticks breaking. I grabbed my hunting knife. I tried to relax by telling myself that in the middle of nowhere, the source of that noise is much more likely an animal than a person. Then I heard frantic whispering. It was impossible to tell which direction the voices were coming from. Being in the dark, surrounded by trees, a hundred miles from the nearest city, plays tricks on your senses. I debated yelling out, claiming to have a gun, but instead decided to be silent and retain the benefit of surprise. I heard footsteps circling my tent and was ready to slash at whatever opened it. But just like that, 
it was over. No more footsteps, no more whispering. I lied frozen awake in my tent until sunrise and opened my tent to find nobody there. The only evidence something had actually happened were the boot prints, the same as before. Several more days passed and I was now in Shasta National Forest, probably 50 to 75 miles from where I first encountered the couple. The trail became more or less a goat trail. Being on the side of the mountain and above the tree line, I could see the trail winding for miles in front of me and behind me. I stopped for water in the rare shade and noticed two hikers miles behind me. All I could see were two white dots moving along the mountainside. I immediately said out loud, Fuck this. This trip is over. I pulled out my map and looked for the nearest town, which appeared to be Castea, located off the I-5. The only problem was that it was 25 miles away. I hiked well into the night, trying to gain as much ground as possible. I kept losing the trail and decided to set up camp, this time far off the trail and into the forest. I got into my tent and tried to sleep, but every little noise kept me awake. After a few hours in my tent, I heard the telltale signs of another bad night. The footsteps, the whispering, the sticks breaking. Sound travels far in the absence of other sound. I knew they were close, but I wasn't sure how close. All I could think was, this is fucked up. This is so fucked up. God damn it. Finally, a flashlight hits my tent, lights up the entire thing, and goes dark. I unzipped my tent and climbed out carrying my knife, yelling nonsense into the dark. It was sort of like that cliche scene in movies where people in the wilderness hear sticks breaking around them and the camera pans around the trees because people have no idea which direction the sound is coming from. Then I heard footsteps running towards the tent and barely made out a figure moving in my peripheral vision. I turned and ran deep into the forest. I tripped several times and ran into several trees. After running for approximately five minutes, I tripped, rolled, and came to rest next to a downed tree. I got under the tree trunk and laid still. I saw the flashlight moving around in the distance. I laid under that tree for hours. I was certain they were gone, but I didn't move. Eventually, birds started chirping and a new sunrise would come soon. Once it did, I made my way back to the trail, abandoned my campsite, and walked the rest of the distance to Castea, where the Pacific Trail crosses I-5. I hitchhiked my way to the town of Mount Shasta and spoke with the police and forest service. They put me up in a motel for the night, and my parents drove from Oregon to pick me up the next day. I followed up with the police and forest service months later, who told me there had been similar reports of items missing from campsites throughout the surrounding national forests. However, there had been no other reports of the terrorizing that I had experienced. As far as I know, nothing ever came of the couple. Ooh, camping is scary. Um, I've always wanted to go camping by myself, but I'm a big chicken. Um, and my hat is off to those of you who camp alone and do all that cool stuff. Um, I think it's incredible and I've always wanted to do it. I really want to get into hiking. Like, like real, like, like hiking, hiking, like, 
like, you know, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, you know what I mean? Hike, hiking, like hundreds of miles type hiking. Yeah. Okay. On to our last story of the night. Buckle up and get ready to never sleep again. Have you ever heard of those sleep apps? The ones that record you in your sleep? I think they were originally developed to help you figure out if you had sleep apnea and you could hear how bad your snoring is or something. I don't know. I'm not an app doctor. Well, many people have used those apps and found strange happenings being recorded. In fact, my husband and I have a strict, we will never audio or videotape ourselves when we sleep policy, because frankly, if a cloaked specter or the withered ghost of an old woman stands over me while I sleep at 3am every night, that is something I literally never want to know about. This final story was posted seven years ago in the subreddit ghosts, whose about section states, articles and other items of interests on ghosts and the paranormal. Posting fake or frivolous photos is a violation of this community's rules and can lead to being banned. Posting fake and or frivolous videos from YouTube or other sites can also lead to being banned. Be civil. The moderators of our ghosts reserve the right to moderate posts and comments at their discretion with regard to their perception of the suitability of said posts and comments for this subreddit. On January 2nd, 2014, user redonceblue80 uploaded a post titled, Experience Using Sleep as Android App. I use an app called Sleep as Android to improve my sleep. One of the features is that it records your nighttime noises, snoring, sleep talk, cover ruffles, coughing, etc. I've been using the app since October 1st of 2013. I've never caught anything other than sounds created by me changing positions or coughing or something like that, although I've been told several times I talk in my sleep by other people. On December 30th at 2.04am, I caught something very weird. To set this up, this night I was sleeping in my bed. My three-year-old was with me that night as he is scared of the dark. It was just the two of us in the whole house. The next night, I decided to go through and delete my recordings and saw this particular record. In it, you can hear some clicks that start to get louder over the course of the recording. Eventually, you can hear me say, what are you doing? And immediately after, there is a deep voice that says, nothing. The clicks become very loud at that point, and at the very end of this recording, you hear the same voice say, that's them. I think I am pretty creeped out by this. I don't remember being awake that night. The only plausible explanation is that I answered my own sleeping talking, but the voice doesn't even sound like me or something I could emulate. It definitely doesn't sound like a voice my preschooler could emulate either. I have no idea what the clicks could be. I keep a fan going at night for white noise, but the clicks sound like they're coming from right near my phone, which is placed right by me on a bedside table. I want to say that I've only picked up the clicks a few times on recordings before, but deleted them, thinking it was nothing. This is the first time I've ever heard anything, though. Original audio, I would love some debunking here. I like creepy stuff, but certainly not in my own home. Are you ready? I'm about to play the original audio now. 
Then the OP posts some links to graphs. Of course, I'll have the link to this post in the show notes so you can see all of their research. Edit number two. User Blackwater Project was kind enough to link removed, see update number seven. The part at the end is especially enhanced as well as the clicking sounds. After listening to it cleaned up, I'm pretty sure I hear my name at the end, Jenny. Others have said they hear, I'm Danny, or I'm dead, or that's them. Alright, here's the cleaned up version. What do you hear? Edit number three, adding what a normal six-second recording sounds like. This was taken last night, January 2nd, 2014. You can hear the white noise in the background, as well as me coughing for a second. Shelby note, this audio is no longer available from the comments. It seems like it really was what the OP described, just some white noise. Edit number four. This post was linked to our creepy thanks. Note from Shelby, I looked for it in that thread and couldn't find it. The thread is six years old and has been, a lot of that thread has been deleted since then. And just so there's an update for people wondering how this turned out, I have caught no more voice recordings since then. Also, as suggested by several people, I've beefed up my home security, changed locks, that kind of thing. This happened four months ago. Since then, I have had no more weird voice recordings, but... There were one or two more instances of the clicking noise waking me up at night. During one of the times when it woke me up, I sat up and tried to hear where the sound was coming from, even though I was pretty scared. The sound seemed to be coming from the area of my fan, about 12 feet away from my bed. But the closer I got, it started to fade away. When I got to my fan, it wasn't coming from my fan at all that I could tell, and it just stopped. Very weird. Also, I took someone else's advice and walked through my house shortly after the final clicking and asked that whatever it was, please leave my house and that my son and I were scared. I felt like a complete ding-dong doing that, though, but I was up for trying about anything. I'd say nothing weird has happened for about three months now. I am completely fine with that. This experience really messed with me for a while. Edit number five. I've gotten a few requests from people to upload the voice voice recording again. It seems the original file expired. I just got around to doing that. Edit number six. This post was linked in a thread, and she posts a link, and is getting some attention. I have people messaging me for an update or wanting to know if me and my son are okay. Thank you. But the event scared the bejesus out of me. I still use the app, but only for sleep monitoring purposes. I never listened to the recordings, and therefore there has been no updates I can offer. With the latest attention, I did have a Redditor kind enough to offer his professionalism to state that they did not think the second voice was me, and therefore the theory of the second voice being me sleep-talking is less likely to be true. They PM'd me, so I will not disclose their name unless I get permission. 
I am hoping to work with this person further to definitively rule out that the voice was not my own. I'm honestly sick of hearing it because I know what I can't and can do with my own voice and I know what my child sounds like. Anyway, here is a clip of his or her message. 10-17-2014 The other person in the recording definitely isn't you talking, nor is it your son. Your voice's pitch in question, what are you doing, is around 265 hertz, C4 in the musical notes. The answerer's voice seems to be around 95 hertz, F, F sharp. That is a relatively low voice for even a man. Unfortunately, the recording seems to have clipped a lot of the lower frequencies, which makes it seem like the man's voice is around 190 hertz. But there's a little hint of the 90 hertz tone left, and judging by the upper frequencies and te some test recordings of my own voice, I'm a man, it definitely seems and sounds like a man to me. If I had a recording of you talking normally, and then trying to make a really low voice, I could definitely tell if my theory is true. Since this thread has been archived, I may create a new one so that people can discuss instead of sending messages, but I'm unsure where to put it. I was unsure where it belonged nine months ago, but I did know I wanted to place it in a sub where it wouldn't garner a ton of attention. If a new thread is created, I will link it or just end up updating this one, even though it's been archived. This happened a long time ago. It was pretty traumatizing for me. I don't think I will ever know what the hell happened that night, but I am now 100% certain that the voice was not mine or my child's. Thank you for your concern, everyone. Sorry this post had stayed with so many of you in a negative way. Edit number seven, October 18th, 2014. I've received several requests for the audio that was cleaned up by Blackwater. I did not foresee the interest this post would have or its long-term effect on people, and I do not have that recording. However, I looked through my old Reddit messages to see if anything else was sent to me during the original post time period, and I did end up finding another cleaned up version that I didn't post or link to in my original post. This was sent to me via PM from user Donnie Marco. He is the person who uploaded it to SoundCloud, so I do not have the cleaned up original file in my possession. Here is Donnie Marco's cleaned up version, and I think that's the version that I posted that I, I played for you all already. Edit number eight, 1019, 2014. User Findebaron was kind enough to offer his analysis on the two voices in the recording. This is specifically to address the Redditors who think that vo both voices were mine. I sent him several recordings of my voice and my son's voice in the same environment. If you're interested in his well put together analysis, it can be found here. Thank you. Shelby note, this linked to a post in a subreddit in the subreddit Mysteries of the World, where the poster goes into way more sciencey reasons about why the masculine voice in the audio cannot belong to the original poster. So if you're interested, you can follow that link from the original post, which again I'll have in the show notes. Edit number nine. March 6th, 2015. This poor woman was haunted by this post. Uh, this post was linked in another Ask Reddit thread. To update, yes, I still use the Android app. No, I haven't caught anything else, but then again, I haven't exactly been reviewing or listening to my night recordings either. Edit number 10. April 21st, 2015. No longer living at the house where this took place, so no more updates from here on out. Thank God. What do you think? Are you brave enough to download a sleep app to see what may be lurking in your room at night? That was a creepy recording. That recording is very scary to me. 
because even if it's not a ghost, it's like a person in your room. Um, that was a lot of people's theories in the, in the notes was it may not be a ghost. It may have been an intruder who was speaking to someone else. That's why the person says them that, or that's them or something horrifying. This poor, poor woman, my heart goes out to Jenny. That's what they said. Their name was, um, because I, I always think about paranormal events like that in people's lives where it's something it's absolutely insane evidence first that there's something happened to you, something maybe out there and then like nothing else ever happens to you or like, and I guess that's a good thing. Like she said, she didn't want anything else to happen to her, but you know, a lot of the time slip stories I talked about, it was like, you see something life changing, never get any answers and it never happens again. I mean, I wonder if years from then you start to question whether it even really happened, you know? Um, I don't know. Tell me your thoughts. Tell me what you think about that recording. Um, There's also a link to them in her post. If you want to go and listen again with at your own volume and everything, instead of having to rewind here. Well, thanks for listening everyone on this journey through one of the internet's most fascinating websites. In my opinion, let me know what you think of each story. Did you think any of them were fake? You can always chat about it on the discussion thread in the Facebook group or in the Discord channel, or you can take a trip to Reddit itself to the Scare You to Sleep subreddit and create a discussion there. Like I said, I don't really check in on it, so I won't be creating a discussion thread myself, but feel free to do it. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm about to go make a chocolate cinnamon roll um, to make up for all my bad bakes last week, and I had a really weird week this week. If you follow me on uh, my personal Twitter account, which is Shelby B. Scott. Um, you'll see, I just had some, the universe was like, Hey, your week's going to be kind of bad and weird. And you're going to get some fun surprises this week is great. Anyway, I hope you all have a beautiful weekend. The weather is so nice. I think it's the perfect weekend to go ghost hunt. Maybe go somewhere creepy and try to get some EVPs. That sounds fun. You can listen to a certain scary podcast on your way out. Wink, wink, finger guns. Anyway, I will let you go. Now, go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.